Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. The other week I was on a retreat and I was just reading the Bible for fun, which is like one of my favorite things to do. And I still use this method to read the Bible, like go through a passage. What is a word that has stuck out to me? And what might the fact that that is the thing that sticks out to me be inviting me toward to embody, to act, to say, to do. And certainly this uh, uh, passage has a lot to offer, right? So let's walk through this a little bit. First of all, a little bit of background for those of you who aren't biblical scholars. Um, This is from 1 John, which is not the book of John. So there's John, which which is a gospel. It's like the life of Jesus. And then there's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which are letters. Um, the scholars aren't totally sure exactly who wrote this, but the, the literary voice sounds very similar to the Gospel of John, and so and a lot of the themes are similar. Um, uh, but it isn't Paul who wrote a lot of the other epistles. So 1st uh, so John is this letter to these, uh, this community of churches that is meeting in people's homes. And one of the key themes in 1 John, in all the letters, in all the John, Johannine letters, is this idea of koinonia. It's it's a Greek word. Do you want to speak some Greek this morning? Say koinonia with me. Um, Koinonia means, it's most often translated as fellowship. And so a lot of Christian groups have used koinonia as kind of like a... um, uh, a, a name for a group. So, uh, for example, in freshman year at Boston University, I was checking out every religious group that I could. In fact, it, I was checking out so many groups that BU did a video on me where I said that I was spiritually voracious, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, I was checking out all the groups that I could, and one of the groups that I checked out was the Asian Baptist student Koinonia. And I checked them out because I wanted to be in community with more Asian folks. And then uh, after like the delight of having indoor slippers and lots of rice cooker themed (laughs) dishes and jokes, I realized that um, they were the kind of Baptist that I didn't quite agree with. So I didn't stay in the Koinonia. But the point is that that Koinonia is a common name for Christian groups, right? I defellowed myself from that fellowship. However, koinonia, um, the translation can also mean like participation or sharing or contribution. So koinonia also is the word that Paul uses to refer to kind of like whipping people up to uh, get excited about donating to and giving money to the poor. Um, he's like, when you, when you give, that's like, that's the koinonia is the kind of this like collaborative action, this collective action. And in that regard, it's like, it's fellowship, but it's not actually a club. It's not a student group. It's a lot less like a club and a lot more like a movement because your participation in it is characterized by how you're acting in it and not just uh the fact that you can like stamp that you're a member of it you know what i 
you know what I mean? Do you see the difference? It's like, there's, it's one thing to say, like, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, part of the Christian movement that's trying to revive the world or whatever. And it's another thing to go about the work of setting yourselves and your community free. And that's the work of Jesus, right? So, um, so in this uh, reading that we have today, which was First John preaching to these communities and houses to be in koinonia with each other, not just, um, you know, showing up and sitting in the back and then uh, eating the snacks and leaving, but like participating, actively participating in this community. That's the koinonia that he was talking about. So then cut to the third chapter where we have this really interesting phrase um, about loving in action and truth. Loving in action and truth. And I think that this kind of goes along with this theme from First John that's like, hey, if we want community to happen, we have to construct it. This is kind of a, a counterintuitive thing, I think, especially for me as a millennial in America right now. Uh, uh, we are considered one of the most lonely generations that has ever existed. Oh, Pole and Pole, again, says that we are uh, hungry for community and to connecting with each other. And yet somehow associating that connection with work feels dreadful or like another like commitment, right? And, and I think that that's exactly kind of the opposite of what First John is trying to get at is like, instead of being lonely and seeing community as work, see uh, how being together creates kind of this koinonia energy where it's like, yeah, it's work, but also like it's cyclical where you are receiving as well. And so like everyone is able to be in this together. And that does require action and truth. And it is um, one thing to say something and it's another thing to do something. I, of course, as a preacher and as a writer, I'm a big fan of words. I also am very um, affectionate. Words of affirmation are like a big thing on my love language. So like you'll often find whenever I greet people, I'm like, hello, wonderful Christopher, or you know, whatever. <laughs> like the, as if they were like a medieval royalty, like hello, Christina the Great. But it's mostly because I just love loving people with words and this first john text is kind of pushing me to say like yeah it's it's one thing to say to talk about love but it's another thing to act in love and i suppose that makes sense because it's one thing for brian to tell me that he loves me and it's another thing for him to steam my jacket so my silk jacket so that i can wear it for holy spirit week or it's another thing for him to put up this wallpaper, which I myself maybe never would have gotten around to. Um, so there is some authenticity to action. It's one thing to say, oh, sure, I'm a resident of Minneapolis and I'm processing the huge collective trauma that was the, and is the George Floyd uprising. It's one thing to say that. And it's another thing to contribute to our zine and to, and to let the words become art and expression into engage actively your emotions and then share it in community. And that's another thing to take that zine and to like say, this is, this is uh, what the heart of Minneapolis is feeling right now. And we need to like create policies based off of it. 
it's one thing to say, I care about the planet and women and the poor and the carceral military state and the internet. And it's another thing to vote. Please vote. Like 40% of me right now is like, maybe just end the sermon right now and be like, hey, we got to love and action and truth. And that means if you can vote, now's the time, folks. By the way, if you live in Minnesota, uh, even though the rule was like that your ballot needs to be postmarked by the election day, apparently there's shenanigans and drama. Just drop off in person and drop off your ballot or go to your polling place on election day do it in person. At this point, we are looking for in-person votes. Please vote. Love in action and truth. And right now, your action is just shading in that little circle, which subsequently will decide the future of all living things. So <laughs> please do vote. And uh, because, of course, it is one thing to say that you support LGBTQ people, and that's another thing to see what you decide to do when the Supreme Court starts making some decisions that aren't in the interest of LGBTQ people, right? Um, and in, in this regard, I think that this is how we'll construct this koinonia. It's, it's like in an ecosystem, everyone is like receiving something and also contributing something. And that's what makes it an ecosystem, a self-sustaining system. And in other parts of the Bible, Paul, uh, the other guy who loves words, is, uh, talks about the koinonia of the body of Christ as, uh, as that, as a, a body, a physical body that supports each other. And in that regard, it's like all of the bones and organs and muscles and, and limbs, like all of this has to work together for any of it to work. And all of that is an active job. It's an active identity. Um, I, it's like everyone is a part of the body of Christ, but no one is the hair of Christ like you know the hair of Christ the Tyler said my more so that it's like you know how hair is like dead protein it's not really like contributing it's like helpful you know but it's not like part of the living ecosystem and I think that that's what Paul is trying to say is like the church is a living ecosystem and it only works when God's children are all like contributing and assembling and in fellowship with each other and then the passage continues on to say, this is how we will know that we belong to the truth. This is how we will be reassured that our hearts are with God. We will know, the proof will be when our actions align with what we know to be the truth, what, what God has revealed to us in truth. Not truth like this kind of like cold, weaponized sense of like, I know the truth and you don't, but truth like the living life force that animates all of creation. Like once we're in touch with that and let our actions align with that, that's a pretty strong indicator that we're in love with God. And it's funny because as I'm preaching this, I'm just picturing all of the amazing beloved faces of the people of New City Church. And I know that folks are uh, pretty dead set on 
using uh, their actions and, and truth to align in a way that results in justice for the world. I know that there are folks at New City who are teachers and braving going into COVID and trying to keep it all together because the formation of young people matters. There's people starting and continuing mutual aid circles so that everyone's needs can be met. And that in many ways is like literally what a koinonia is supposed to be about. I know that there are activists and organizers, people opposing pipelines and prisons and pedestrian murders. And there are people who are really working on making the world a better place. There are therapists and healers, there are storytellers, there are parents. And all of these folks together, I think intuitively know, like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta have our truth and action align out in the world. The funny thing is, though, is that the very people who are most resonant with First John in some ways, the people who know how to step up with for community, sometimes aren't always the best at living out that truth and action for the truths that apply to themselves. Sometimes the very people, the, uh, like Adrian Marie Brown says, sometimes the black folks who are most ready to take to the streets marching and organizing for Black Lives Matter are the ones who have a hard time recognizing that their own lives matter. And, and that a certain type of, um, I guess a cute word for that is self-care is, necessary, is a necessary action for living out the truth that God has put into our communities. Because the truth is that God loves you and that God came to offer life abundantly. And if our actions and our understanding of truth and our community together isn't resulting in some type of abundant, kind of bubbling up springtime warmth, uh, emergence, then, then maybe there's, there's something missing from the ecosystem. Maybe there's a gap. And for a lot of folks at New City, that gap is something approximated by the contemporary term self-care. I am always a little hesitant, honestly, if I can be a hundred with you. Like I'm always a little bit hesitant to learn or to talk about or to preach about self-care because it kind of like in I, I kind of feel like it reinforces American individualism. Like somehow like my self-care is something that is completely separate from my community or my world, or like somehow I need to like just worry about myself. And a lot of times people say like, I need to, um, uh, I need to step away from this responsibility because I need to practice self care. And I, I don't know if I understand, I don't know if that really aligns totally with, with what I understand to be the gospel framework, because I feel like Jesus was like, hey, the good news is for all of y'all, and the good news is for yourself and for your neighbor and for all of creation, like new heaven, new earth, all of that is coming. And all of us are called into a particular way of like rendering the, the, the kingdom of God in the world, to like partner with God to allow ourselves to be a, 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 a outlet for this like electricity of God in the world to create the kingdom of God. And all of that work is considered equal. It's like whether you're an emperor or someone who is like 
in charge of the treasury in another country or someone who is like a sex worker, like there are certain ways that these folks can go about bringing the kingdom of God that God is calling them to. And like the, the calling is for us to live into that. And sometimes we bring about the kingdom of God by like volunteering or by uh, voting, <sighs> fill in the circle. Or <laughs> uh, sometimes we bring about the kingdom of God by raising our kids. Or sometimes we bring about the kingdom of God by like taking a bath and caring for ourselves. And like all of these things are deeply related because like all of them are necessary for us to build the new city. So I'm I'm using self-care because it's like such a it's such a part of the zeitgeist right now. But ultimately I think all of this is like kingdom construction. And the the action that we are aligning with truth is like, I believe that God is a God of liberation. That is what I'm stepping out on faith saying. And therefore our actions are going to reflect that liberation for myself and for my neighbor and for creation. You know, Jesus was like, love the Lord your God. And that's like the biggest one, love with all your strength and heart and mind and soul. And then the second commandment is like, love your neighbor as yourself. And so it's like, God, neighbor, self, like try to hit those three <laughs> in your actions. Try to see a way that that those bonds of love can be stronger. And then, yeah, you're pretty much on the right track for being a Christian. Like that's kind of what Jesus was about, I think. And, um, and our actions have to respond to that. And so... At the end of this, uh, at the end of this worship time, we're going to be launching uh, uh, the new city self care plan, which is like a, a like a like it's like a whole like worksheet discernment process for you to do with someone that you love to create a plan for surviving the election and the things that come out of the election and uh, winter. So it's like the self-care plan is pretty important. And you know, we as a community have dedicated several weeks to putting together our survival kit, right? Like we're in the sermon series right now. That's been so amazing. We've been going kind of piece by piece, trying to put together our survival kit, our like kind of like self-care plan. And I know that there are lots of folks who now have like lots of really good ideas. But the question that I have for you is, after you fill out that uh, self-care plan and, uh, and talk to a, a loved one about it, what is it that prevents you from acting into the truth that is witnessed to in that self-care plan? What is stopping you? What is holding you back? And I think that there are many reasons. If you want to dig some more into the Enneagram with me, I would be happy to talk about like there are certain like type specific reasons why that might be. But I think that just the waters that we're swimming in makes me kind of want to pull out one in particular. And that's this like American hubris that um, that somehow has like made it so that we don't even feel when we need self-care. I just want to name that like we're so driven to productivity, to output, to like, okay, we got to do that. We got to achieve. We got to achieve. Which is kind of like an Enneagram 3 energy if you're familiar with the Enneagram. Um, or Enneagram 8. Both Enneagram 3s and Enneagram 8s have a hard time recognizing their own 
pain and suffering. And, and I mean, like, a hard time even sensing that it's real. Like, I uh, once did a, a workshop with someone who used to be in the military uh, who identifies as an Enneagram 8. If you don't know what the Enneagram is, uh, don't worry about it you'll still be able to understand the sermon, but also know that as a worshiping part of New City Church, you can uh, qualify for an Enneagram interview session where you can learn your type. Just let me know. I did a workshop with a guy who identified as an Enneagram 8 who was in the military, and he was just talking about, like, yeah, so uh, I was in a battle zone, and I was going with my... Uh, I was just, like, going down a path, and then we heard sh- shots coming at us and I like hit away instinctively and then kind of like a chemical reaction happened in me that was kind of like what and then like he just like 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 ran out of hiding and and was like okay we have to get to safety and he like there it was like so much adrenaline was pumping in his veins so much survival instinct that he was like like carrying people to get out of harm's way and i feel like that's kind of like that example is complex for many reasons one being like okay maybe we should like find a way to not have wars but another being like i feel like that was an example of exactly what that instinct is supposed to do like save us from very short-term acute stressors like okay we got to do this we got to get this done let's go And it makes that amount of adrenaline makes the threat or the perceived risk seem smaller so that we can go about and like achieve this thing. And so we see a lot of people organizing around like get out the vote using a lot of eight energy being like, okay, we have to do this. And part of the reason why organizers do that is because they want to create this sensation that the challenges and risks that we're facing are actually beatable because that's what motivates people toward action, right? And so, like, uh, uh, we have this, like, like masculine, like, super saiyan kind of energy in America that's either, like, you know, certainly in, in kind of the lore that's around our armed conflict and armed guards but also around just like get it done do what you got to do pull yourself up by the bootstraps i need this yesterday customers always right just do whatever they say like there's all of these messages that's like we just need output and that's like what action is about right and i think there's something about that that limits our ability to perceive the pain or like suffering that we're actually living like like or that is actually uh, present in our bodies so in some ways we don't even notice the pain that we're experiencing and and that's kind of where we get into issues right because it's like if you don't even notice that you need to take a break if you don't even notice that your body is breaking down then how in the world are you going to know that you're supposed to take care of that, right? And and a lot of times slowing down or engaging in silence is hard for people because all of a sudden these messages come up of like, hey, your life needs some help. And that's very uncomfortable. So we self-medicate with doing and doing and doing. And I think that, um, I believe that the gospel and First John offers a certain remedy to this because First John is saying we have to love in action and truth. 
And I think what we see in America is what happens when we operate in action and falsehoods. Like the the method of like productionism in America is like you gotta uh, you gotta act, you gotta produce, even if it's operating on a lie or if it predicates on you lying to yourself or not even acknowledging what's going on in your body, right? Like it's action that's like, you know, other people need sleep, but I don't need sleep. Other people need help, but I don't need help. It's and, and that's a lie. That's a falsehood. And we see what happens when our actions are grounded in falsehoods. It's like, I mean, look all around. <laughs> like that's what happens. And, and yet this first John text is calling us to koinonia, to be an active contributing member of a community, of a circle of people who are looking out for each other, who act in such a way that is grounded in truth, in a way that reflects like, yeah, I believe that God is calling me to give to this community, but that giving is based off of an understanding of liberation in the world and not just kind of this like adrenaline rush of like, this is what I got to do. That's the truth that I think we should be acting out of. And I think that ultimately that's how we will create a world where it's not just kind of this like hyper productivity or collapse boom and bust kind of cycle where we can like really live in a community together. That's what I believe that God is calling us to. I just got on a whole preaching thing and I haven't been looking at my notes. Okay, so, um, uh, oh, and ultimately, this is my last point, like when we practice action that is grounded in truth, which is like creating the kingdom of God, which also includes caring for ourselves, haha, you're part of the kingdom of God. Like um, I, it, it, it creates a trust. That a reliable trust, once your body is like, wow, wait, are you saying that I can wake up in the morning and expect that I'm not just going to be like, like completely extracted from and like tortured from? Are you saying that I can like trust the way that my life is so that I can feel renewed as well as contributing? That that establishes trust. And, and the word in the, in the Bible is confidence in the relationship. That's how you start to create confidence in the relationship. And so self-care is how you create confidence in the relationship within yourself. And then like participating in koinonia is how you create confidence in the relationship with your neighbor. And worship is how you create confidence in your relationship with God. So like we're slowly, it's not just like I need to uh, do this task And then the next time I do this, I'm going to be in the exact same spot. It's like, I'm going to do this task and slowly, slowly, we're going to build confidence so that we can step out in action even more. Imagine what your life would be like if you had confidence in how you can manage your own life and your own body and self and emotions. Imagine what our church would be like if people were confident in the gifts that they had to offer and also confident in receiving care. Imagine what your worship experience would be like if you were confident that God would show up every time it was Sunday at 9.30 and you were with this community. Imagine what that confidence could render. Imagine. 
And so that's the invitation, my friends. Uh, at the end of this service, we are going to have some time dedicated to downloading the self-care plan and starting to make some initial plans so that we can build confidence in ourselves because all of this is kingdom work, my friends, and it is our calling. Let us love with action and truth.